Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Throughout the last 10 plus weeks, we have really been sprinting, I suppose you could say, through the vast forest of the Old Testament, stopping only to look at a few trees from that Old Testament, pillars, really, we could say, of God's plan of salvation. And so today, the story of the Bible in 16 verses takes us back, really, to the very first day of this earth, the day of creation, when God said, let there be, and there was. And now we'll see through the prophet Isaiah that God promises a new creation, a new heaven, and a new earth. I'm going to take you back 10 weeks, and you didn't have to be here 10 weeks ago when we covered creation, but you might remember that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, when God finished all of his creating, he looked and he said, it is very good. But we don't have to live very long in this world, do we? To understand that sometimes things aren't good. Many times things aren't good. We live in a world of, of broken dreams, of frustration, of disappointment, of heartache. Maybe that picture is a pretty good metaphor of what life feels like sometimes. You think things are going great. You have this, this beautiful ice cream cone that tastes great. And the next thing you know, it's on the ground. Right? Isn't that how life can feel? Sin. Sin has marred this perfect world that God put in place. And so we experience things like natural disasters, weather that doesn't want to cooperate, right? We experience pandemics, inflation. We experience poor relationships. We experience the heartache of disease and death. Maybe, as God's people, we want to take a step back and say, could it get any worse? Or maybe even a better question is this one. Will it ever get better? Will you listen again with me to the promise that God gave to Isaiah, this prophecy? Because God answers that question, will it get better, with a resounding yes. Not only is it going to get better, it's going to be the best that you and I could ever hope for, the best that we could ever dream of, and even more. That's what God's speaking of when he tells us about this new heaven and this new earth. And so today, as we wrap up our time in the Old Testament, in these 16 verses in the story of the Bible, let's see what God promises and dig into what it means that God promises us a new creation. We'll, we'll note especially two things this morning. First of all, it gives us the opportunity to forget the old and then to anticipate peace true and lasting peace. Here it is, that verse from chapter 65, verse 17. God says through Isaiah, See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. I want to focus your attention on that first word just for a moment, that word see. Maybe if you understand or have seen that word in other contexts in the Old Testament, it's often translated, behold. And that word in the original Hebrew is like a marker. It's pointing out that something unexpected is about to happen. 
And that's exactly what God is saying here in this prophecy through Isaiah. Something unexpected is going to happen. What's so unexpected about God creating a new heaven and a new earth? Well, what's unexpected is that the people for whom he's creating that new heaven and new earth have done nothing to merit it, have done nothing to make God say, this is what I'd really like to do for people. Even in the few verses that we've covered, we've gotten to see the Old Testament record and how it's dotted with failure after failure after failure of God's people. Take it all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. As God says he's creating this new heaven and new earth, the only word that changed from the very first verse of Genesis is the word new. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, we're told in Genesis. And now in Isaiah, at the end of Isaiah's prophecy, God promises that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Unfortunately, we can relate, can't we, to the record of God's Old Testament people? Aren't you thankful that we don't have to come Sunday morning and roll out the record of our own lives to demonstrate all of the times that we've failed, all of the times that we've been unfaithful to God, all of the sins and issues that we have in our own lives. That's what makes God's promise of a new heaven and a new earth for you and for me so unexpected. It's what highlights, shines a beacon on God's faithfulness, this idea that in spite of the unfaithfulness of his people, starting back with Adam and Eve, when they ruined creation, all the way till our time today, God's faithfulness shines because his promises still stand. A new heaven and a new earth. Maybe you thought about this as we were reading the Isaiah 65 text. What does that mean? Where is this new heaven and new earth going to be? Let me ask it just a little bit differently. This is what Bible students have debated for centuries. Will heaven be here on this earth restored? Or is heaven in another location? I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. The Bible doesn't speak to us about exactly where heaven is located, but, but maybe perhaps I could just give you this food for thought. When Adam and Eve ruined God's perfect creation back in Genesis chapter 1, couldn't God have said, I'm starting over? But all through the Old Testament, really all through the entire story of the Bible, we get to see God's commitment to his creation. Even though it had been stained and ruined by sin, God's commitment to his creation was that he was going to restore it. That doesn't mean that heaven is going to be here on earth for sure and a restored earth, but it makes sense to me. If God didn't abandon his creation when sin ruined it, maybe we're going to see that new heaven and new earth in a restored creation here. In the end, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter what heaven looks like or where it is. God gives us in his word some beautiful pictures of what we will experience when we get to heaven. Isaiah simply says it in his prophecy this way, the former things will not be remembered. I want you just to kind of consider that for a second. 
What's God talking about when he says through Isaiah, the former things will not be remembered? What God is demonstrating to you and to me is that the curse of sin, what affects us every single day in our lives and the world around us, that curse of sin will finally and fully be eradicated in this new heaven and this new earth. All the pain of sin, of death, all of the pain that sin has caused in this world will be gone. That's what God's going to do in this new heaven and the new earth. What we are experiencing now, the frustrations and the difficulties of this life, that curse of sin will be reversed, undone by Jesus, the Messiah. The word that's used is that we won't remember the former things. They'll be forgotten. It's hard to even imagine that, isn't it? That, we're gonna go, that we'll be in a place where we won't even remember the difficulties, the struggles, the trials, the frustration of this life. I find that to be one of the real joys of heaven that I look forward to. These former things, the things that we take for granted in this life, the frustrations that are so much a part of every single day that we exist, they won't be there. And not only won't they be there, we won't even be able to recall them. We won't even be able to remember them. I put a little picture on the slide up there. I don't know if you can see that, but I want you to consider this just for a second. There's a young girl in front of a hospital with an ambulance, in a wheelchair, with a cast on. Not one of those things will be present in heaven. There will be no hospitals. There will be no casts, no wheelchairs, no ambulances, no medication, no band-aids, no bruises, no cuts, no scrapes, no stubbed toes. Those things that we take for granted, we won't even remember. They'll be gone. They will simply not be in the picture when God restores this new heaven and this new earth. I'm not sure we can even wrap our heads around that. We're so used to living with those things as part of our lives that the idea that they will be gone in this new heaven and new earth is hard to grasp. Even more, that our minds won't even be able to conjure them up. We won't be able to remember back and say, yeah, that was an awful time that we lived through. That's incredible. We live in an age where there's a digital footprint for just about everything. You want to get rid of something that you have on your computer or on your phone? Good luck. It's there somewhere. Somebody can probably find it. In the past, we've taken paper and you put it through the shredding machine, right, to try and get rid of evidence of things that you don't want other people to take or steal or know. But if somebody really wanted to, they could probably go back and take all those little strands of paper and put them all back together again. This is what makes this promise from God that the former things will not be remembered, that they won't even come to mind so amazing. It's if, as if God is going to delete, shred completely, get rid of entirely any shred, any evidence of the sorrow and the difficulty of this life. In this new heaven and new earth that God has promised, it's only joy and peace all the time. 
That's the picture that Isaiah paints for us in the rest of the prophecy in chapter 65. This peace that will be part of this new heaven and new earth. Let's talk just a bit about that prophecy because as I read through it, maybe you noticed some things that made you scratch your head a little bit. Is this about heaven or is this still about life on earth? It talked about an old man living to a hundred years. It talked about building houses that nobody else will live in and planting and harvesting your own crops. Are, are we talking about heaven or are we talking about life on this earth? Here's one of the things about Old Testament prophecy. When the Old Testament prophets spoke, they often didn't differentiate for us between the first coming of Jesus and his second coming at the end of time. There's no question that God is talking about the future. But in effect, there's two futures that God is talking about in this prophecy through Isaiah. One is the time that Jesus would establish. Isaiah calls it Jerusalem. The idea of all believers, that Jesus would come and establish his church, his believers on this earth, and that they would benefit from Jesus coming. And then there's a second fulfillment the full fulfillment of this prophecy. When Jesus comes again and brings with him this new heaven and new earth that's being described. We have this New Testament Jerusalem versus the final day, the, the heaven that both are in this prophecy. While that prophecy might cause us a little bit of concern and, and look to see, well, what exactly is God saying here? There is one thing the Bible makes abundantly clear. We read it again in John's gospel earlier. When it comes to making it to heaven, when it comes to getting to this new heaven and new earth, there is only one way. The gate for the sheep, the good shepherd, Jesus, the Messiah. It's Jesus who will eliminate all crying and all pain and all sadness. It's Jesus who will usher in the joy of heaven, eternal joy. It's Jesus and Jesus alone who can give us lasting peace. Maybe you heard the last verse as I read through it, verse 25. It's a picture that sort of boggles our mind. Isaiah simply says, The wolf and the lamb will eat together. Not in this world. We're talking about predator and prey. That's not going to happen in the imperfect world in which we live. But do you see the picture? The picture of the peace that's going to be present in heaven? Not just for you and me in the absence of those things that are forgotten, but for all of God's creation. There will be peace and joy and harmony. Those former things simply won't be a part of what is in heaven. The new heaven and the new earth will set aside all semblances, any kind of idea of the past. The new heaven and the new earth will be completely different than what we experience today because of the absence of sin through Jesus the Messiah. See, what God is describing in this prophecy of Isaiah is his resurrection kingdom. He's going to restore the creation that was ruined that new creation is going to take the place of what's old. We're going to live in the perfect joy of heaven forever with our Father. 
Again, we almost have to take a step, step back here and just take a deep breath. This sprint through the Old Testament has made us realize how amazing God's promises have been from the first fall into sin all the way through the end of the Old Testament. And now imagine this, if you were hearing this prophecy from Isaiah, Jesus' coming was still over 600 years away. You and I don't have to wait because Jesus has already come. The fulfillment of this prophecy is already here. And the final fulfillment of that prophecy is still to come when Jesus takes us home to that new heaven and that new earth, his resurrection kingdom. I love how the Apostle Paul talked about this in his letter to the Corinthians, his second letter. He gives them this encouragement. Therefore, we do not lose heart, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Great encouragement from the Apostle Paul. Don't lose heart, even in the midst of the heartaches and the tragedies and the trials of this life. He calls those trials light and momentary, not because they don't hurt, not because they aren't frustrating or disappointing, but because they're not worth comparing to the glory that is going to be ours in heaven. So he encourages us to fix our eyes. Fix our eyes on that new creation, the new heaven and the new earth. Some takeaways from our sermon today. Number one, God will restore creation and remove the curse of sin through Jesus. When we look to him, when we see our salvation in Jesus, we see that sin won't be remembered, that it's gone forever, and that life has taken the place of death. Number two, we have a certain future that is free from the heartache of life on this earth. Yes, those former things will not be remembered. No death or mourning or crying or pain. That old order of things will have passed away. Finally, number three, we joyfully anticipate the peace of heaven forever. When the difficulties of this life come, look up. Remember that God has promised you a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth. The former things will be completely gone. You will live with him in joy. Not sure how many of you do this, but maybe as you think about vacation, you put your vacation dates on a calendar and maybe circle them. How many of you do that? You can raise your hands if you do it. Maybe we don't write on calendars anymore. You guys all have them on your phones, right? Not me. I still, I can't help it. I still use an old school calendar. But why? Why might someone do that? Why might you put your vacation dates so that you can see them on a calendar? Maybe even put it on the refrigerator so you don't forget, right? You're not going to forget to go on vacation who forgets to go on vacation, right? But don't you do it so that you can look forward to it? You can count down the days until the time vacation comes. You can make it through that next day of work, that next responsibility that you have in this life because you know vacation is right around the corner. That time to rest and relax, it's coming. You can see it. As we look at this section from God's word, this promise in Isaiah chapter 65, isn't God doing the exact same thing for us in a spiritual sense? Slapping on our spiritual calendars this idea that a new heaven, a new creation is coming. And we can look at that. We know great things 
A great life, an eternal life with our Lord is waiting for us. A new creation where the former things won't be remembered and where we will live in absolute and complete peace. And that, my friends, is better than any vacation this world could ever offer. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.